0: God's love is demonstrated in judgment. Christians, while witnessing of and pointing out the words of Christ unto others, have often been rebuffed with, don't judge me. Several weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a Christian brother who attended church in western Pennsylvania. He explained that at his church, it was unacceptable to speak of hell or anything the pastor deemed as a negative issue. This is a religious mindset that has been entrenching itself in church dogma around the globe. In many churches, empathy has replaced authority. Tolerance has replaced God's absolute intolerance, and unconditional love has replaced God's most certainly conditional love. God's judgment has been replaced with variants of the above. A student of the Scriptures would be aware that such a mindset precludes the usage of about half the Bible. Jeremiah chapter 5:31 speaks of the Jewish mindset in the days of God's judgment. It reads, The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means, and my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? Consider 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. I charge thee therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. God's love is demonstrated in His judgment. Matthew chapter 12, verses 18 through 20. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall jo- show judgment, excuse me, to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory. Christ sent forth judgment unto victory. As in the initial plan of salvation, judgment always precedes victory. This absolute is demonstrated in one's initial salvation and continues to function in the same fashion throughout the Christian's life. In the process of salvation, the sinner falls under the conviction of the Holy Ghost for his sinful life. In order to be forgiven, the sinner must accept God's judgment and participate in that judgment by acknowledging and repenting of his sin and believing upon the Lord Jesus Christ and his sin-cleansing blood as the only way of escape. Of course, this new believer must forsake sin and follow the Lord Jesus in his word. True victory begins in God's judgment. God's love is demonstrated in his judgment. Are you ready to confess your sins and believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you like to be free of all sin and shame, just as if you never committed the sin? Would you like to become a new creature? Would you like to escape the impending judgment of God and the punishment of eternity in the lake of fire? God said, man said, has good news for you. Today is your day of salvation. Click on the further with Jesus for childlike instructions and instant entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject, God said, Daniel, chapter eight, verses 23 through 25. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the fool, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper, and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. God said, Zechariah chapter 14 verses 1 through 3. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle." Man said, these foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world and certainly no judgment day. Now the record. There is a coming doomsday. The scriptures speak of it numerous times and instructs all believers to prepare for the great taking up of the church, commonly known as the rapture, which occurs just a short time before the battle of Armageddon, where the world system, as we know it, comes to an abrupt halt. 1st Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 14 through 18 And if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together uh, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. The great taking up of the church draws nigh. Doomsday is knocking at the door. The exact date of doomsday is unknown to man. Jesus said the angels do not know the date, and not even he himself, but that information is known by the Father only. But Jesus, in the Word of God, lays out very descriptive markers of the world's dreaded day. On God Said, Man Said exists a series titled 21 Signs of Doomsday, which deals with end day signs found in the Bible. At the end of this feature, we will list the series for your review. This feature will update several events which are unfolding quickly. As the day approaches, the warning alarms will continue to sound in rapid fashion. Serious economic problems will continue to rock the globe, and it is just such a time as this that the son of perdition will rise to be adored, excuse me, by the nations. Daniel 825, and through his policy also, he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. The new one world order the scriptures describe for the last days will find its power in the world's wallet. Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 18. And he causeth all both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. The current global economic crisis has drawn to the forefront. Political conversation very foreboding indeed. November 10 of 2008, in the midst of a global economic catastrophe, the following excerpts were published by Reuters under the title, UK's Brown, Now is the Time to Build Global Society. The international financial crisis has given world leaders a unique opportunity to create a truly global society, Britain's Prime Minister Gordon Brown will say in a keynote foreign policy speech on Monday. In his annual speech at the Lord Mayor's banquet, Brown, who has spearheaded calls for the reform of international financial institutions, will say Britain, the United States and Europe are key to forging a new world order. The alliance between Britain and the U.S. and more broadly between Europe and the U.S. can and must provide leadership not in order to make the rules ourselves, but to lead the global effort to build a stronger and more just international order, an excerpt from the speech says. Brown and other leaders meet in Washington next weekend to discuss longer-term solutions for dealing with economic issues following a series of coordinated moves on interest rates and to recapitalize banks in the way of the financial crisis. The story continues. And if we learn from our experience of turning unity of purpose into unity of action, we can together seize this moment of change in our world to create a truly global society. Here's the final paragraph in this story. My message is that we must be internationalist and not protectionist, interventionist and not neutral, progressive, not reactive and forward looking, not frozen by events. We can seize the moment. And in doing so, build a truly global society. End of quote. Ecclesiastes 10:19 declares, "Money answereth all things." In the past year, the haters of Israel, the Middle East, Russia, Venezuela, etc., have experienced an infusion of cash that I uh, can that I am certain, excuse me, is unprecedented in the history of this world. Every human on the earth has been taxed. I am referring to confiscatory prices producers of crude oil have been charging. At the writing of this feature, December 27, 2008, a barrel of crude is trading at $37.31. Imagine, just a few months ago, it sold for $145.29. People are sighing a breath of relief, but keep in mind, it sold for as little as $9.30 in 1999. This global taxing reminds me of the uh, birth of Jesus Christ. And it reads this in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be, uh, should be taxed. At his return, many things will remain the same. This continual transfer of wealth to the enemies of Israel is the kind of wealth needed to build the greatest arsenal of annihilation in the annals of time. The haters are empowered. The psychic of the world is being tuned to attack the tiny nation of Israel. The following excerpts are from the International Jerusalem Post, November twenty-eighth through December 4, 2008 issue. The header of the article reads, A U.N. Assembly president called for concrete action against Israel. It reads in part, a top U.N. official in New York has called for concrete action against Israel over the country's treatment of Palestinians. General Assembly President Miguel de Brockman said the international community should consider sanctions against Israel, including boycott, divestment and sanctions similar to those enacted against South Africa two decades ago. Diascoto made no mention of rocket attacks into the Western Negev. Today, perhaps, we in the United Nations should consider following the lead of a new generation of civil society who are calling for a similar nonviolent campaign, said Diascoto, a Nicaraguan diplomat who currently holds the one-year presidency. Israeli policies in the Palestinian territories appear so similar to the apartheid of an earlier era continent away, and I believe it is very important we in the United Nations use this term, he said. We must not be afraid to call something for what it is, end of quote. In the same issue of the Jerusalem Post, uh, concern is being raised about future U.S.-Israeli relations, as a result of the elections of Barack Obama to the United States presidency. The following paragraphs are from the feature titled, On Obama, What? Me Worry? With roughly two months to go before Barack Obama becomes the 44th president of the United States, there are worrying signals that U.S.-Israel relations may be in for a bumpy ride. Some on the Jewish right are already saying, I told you so. Take the report in London's Sunday Times, which implied that Obama would vigorously back the Saudi-sponsored Arab League peace plan that calls for an Israeli withdrawal to the 1949 armistice lines, this according to anonymous sources close to America's president-elect. Reporters Uzi Manemi in Tel Aviv and Sarah Baxter in Washington asserted that Foreign Minister Zippy Livni, along with President Shimon Peres, back the Saudi initiative. I must have been off the day our foreign minister and president announced their backing. My impression is that Perez thinks elements of the plan are positive, which they are. Next, Monami and Baxter tell us the plan would give Israel effective veto power to prevent millions of Palestinian refugees and their descendants from overwhelming Israel proper. This assertion is backed up by nothing. Finally, the paper quotes Obama as saying privately that it would be crazy for Israel to refuse the Saudi deal. The source? An anonymous senior Obama advisor. Then there are the fears involving the relative influence of people who have offered Obama advice. Take the case of Joe Sorenson president of Plowshares. He's a nuclear disarmament advocate who thinks that Israel has less need of nuclear weapons now than at any time in its history. Cerencion, as I understand it, would put put both Israel's presumed nuclear arsenal and Iran's arsenal in the making on the negotiating table. He'd aim at disarming both states to create a nuclear-free Middle East. Cerencion really does know a lot about nuclear weapons, but clearly doesn't have a clue on how to read the Mullahs. End of quote. Today is December 29, 2008, and a major offensive against Gaza has been launched by the Israelis as a result of Hamas, who has consistently broken the ceasefire by launching missiles into Israel. The Newswire reports nearly 300 dead Palestinians and over 800 wounded. The U.S. government has just announced the calling up of reservists and the sending of U.S. naval support to protect Israeli borders. Iran has promised to unleash hell. Doomsday draws nigh. The warning signs are sounding. The exact day and time no man knows, but the handwriting is on the wall. One world order and one common monetary system has now entered into the forefront of political dialogue. The haters of Israel tax the world through crude oil prices to fund their attempt to annihilate the Jews and bring on Armageddon. UN General Assembly President calls for severe sanctions against Israel. Is Obama preparing to shift U.S. Israeli policy in favor of the haters of Israel? Doomsday is approaching. Prepare to meet your God. God said, Daniel chapter 8 verse 23 through 25, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper in practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. God said, Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. Man said, these foolish doomsday prophets make me laugh. There is no end to this world and certainly no judgment day. Now you have the record.